Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We caught up with Wayne Healy earlier today of Peninsula Energy. They've been buying pounds of uranium in the marketplace. We were interested in what he learned through that exercise and what he tells us was pretty fascinating. Uh, we also talked to him uh, about the test, imminent test results and when they're due to come out and what potentially we should be looking for. If you want our thoughts on that conversation, topics discussed, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com. Wayne, how are you, sir? Great, Matt. It's nice to be joining uh, you on the program again today. Yeah, thanks very much. Um, there's a lot going on at the moment and I wouldn't mind um, your thoughts. Our man in America, you're going to give us an insight on what's going on over there uh, with Mr. Biden, etc. Um, but before we do, I better start with some pleasantries. Are you well? How's your weekend? Did you have a long weekend like us? We had we had our Memorial Day weekend. I got a chance to go out and enjoy the weekend at, at the local lake and uh, spend some time with my family. So nice and relaxed. It's early morning and the day after a holiday, uh, you get me either sharp or uh you know, still working on getting back. I'll reserve your judgment until the end uh, on that one. We'll see how we go. Um, but look, we're, we're here to talk about uh, Peninsula Energy, obviously, um, but you're also going to help us with what's going on in the market a little bit and also potentially a little bit about US economics too. Um, so let's kick off, given that one minute overview of your business for people new to the story, and we'll pick it up with all those topics in a second. Right. Well, uh, Peninsula Energy has the Lance Project in the United States. Uh, we are an ASX listed company, uh, so you'll find our stock uh, as PEN on the ASX. We also have OTC QB trading. Uh, the symbol is PENMF. So if you're a US investor and you're interested in trading, in Peninsula, you can do that. Uh, the Lance Project in Wyoming is currently idle, but we are running uh, field demonstrations on low pH uh, in situ recovery chemistry. Uh, those tests are going well, but they are long timeline tests, and we ask for um, you know investors to understand that that uh, test in the field demonstration, like we have, is a long long time frame test. Um, results will be coming. Probably the next results um, will be issued with the the June quarterly report. Um, other than that, uh, we've been actively engaged in the uranium market. We recently announced that we were raising some money to purchase uranium. So we have about 300,000 pounds now uh, coming to us for working inventory. What's special about Peninsula is that we have long-term contracts as a junior uranium mining company. And our long-term contracts extend out to the year 2030. Uh, we've been uh, preparing to make some significant deliveries this year. We have about 450,000 pounds of deliveries in the, you know, late in, in the first half and, and into the second half of this year. And one of the things that we realized is that having a working inventory, a stock to draw from is going to help us manage our, our affairs, our, our trading affairs with our, and our sales affairs with, with the customers. Uh, we have been in the market in the past. Uh, we uh, um, signed quite a few purchase agreements to supply into our sales agreements, uh, but those were not um, for inventory purposes. We didn't keep we didn't keep pounds in inventory. We'd take delivery and move them right to the customer. Uh, what's changed is we've picked up a little material for inventory. 
I think that's going to give us flexibility in bidding into additional uh, contracts. Um, it gives us the opportunity to not worry about hedging when we're, when we're bidding into contracts because we have a, a known price on, on material in our, in our inventory. Uh, it's also going to support the development and the restart of Lance. The money that we raised today can be converted to, you know, it's it's being put into uranium inventory now, but it can be converted to cash when we need it for the restart of the project. Okay, There's lots to unpack there. Actually, um, let me let me break it down because one of the reasons I um, actually called you was you put a press release out there about um, raising fifteen million bucks to go and buy uranium, right? You're going to purchase uranium in the marketplace. You, you outlined there, you know, the rationale for that. Last time we spoke, you weren't so sure. So why the switcheroo and thinking? Well, you're right. Um, you know, before, last time we spoke, other other uranium companies were out in the market buying um, inventories for the, for the purpose of uh, investment speculation. And, you know, while I looked at that then, I said, well, that's their business if they want to take that chance. Uh, what's changed really for me is is the the coming of Sprott as as a management uh, for the UPC. I see UPC changing from a, a rather uh, staid uh, buy and hold fund of, of uranium to a much more dynamic and active buyer of uranium. I think uh, you know UPC's stated objective under the Sprott management is that they're going to restructure their fund. They're going to uh, list in the United States and they're going to tap into the U.S. investment base. You know, previously, all the capital raises were done in, in Canada and, and you know, the UPC investors were largely the Canadians and the U.S. investors who are willing to put money into Canadian shares. Uh, when they move to the United States, they're going to tap a much larger market. They're going to have access to a lot more cash, and they're likely going to be buying a lot more uranium. So it seemed very apparent um, that that this is a good time to get into the market, to get in front of that, and and to acquire some uranium for inventory purposes and for you know for us it was for managing our sales contracts. So your rationale is slightly different from the UECs and the Denisons in, in that sense. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it is. Uh, look, we didn't go out and buy a million or two million pounds. We bought 300,000 pounds because the, the need for us was to have some additional material. We did have um, open origin deliveries in our contracts um, that we hadn't yet matched up with which with purchases. So some of this material can go to satisfying our, our sales contracts. Uh, now we have it in inventory. Uh, but if we were just speculating on the price of, of uranium, uh, we probably would have gone for a much larger raise and purchased much more material. So what did you learn when you were out there? The uranium market is tight. Uh, this, is, this is one of the most um, uh, insightful questions you're going to ask today, I think, Matt. It, um, we had a hard time finding material for near-term deliveries. Uh, you know, we did go out and and uh, look for material from producers. We looked for material from traders, and and you know what we found was you know people were saying we can deliver material to you in September. We can deliver you know material to you later in the year, and this is May. 
you know, this is May when we were shopping and, and we weren't shopping for huge volumes. And all we were finding was we don't have material for near term. I mean, there is some material for near term, don't get me wrong. And it's largely in the hands of the traders. What I found is that producers have committed their pounds out further into time. And that's good. I, I think that, uh, you know, producers sell to traders when they have no other customers, when the utilities aren't buying traders obtain material and they have to turn it. That's their role in the market and it's, it's okay. Um, but, but right now finding um, supply in the near term is very difficult. And that supports the theory that the market is tight, that the, that the, uh, the amount of material available is getting less and less for trades. Okay, so it's not that producers don't have any, they've, they've just got it committed understood. Uh, yes. Yeah, I, I think it's really clear. To, it's not fair to say producers don't have any inventory. Producers, large producers carry strategic inventory. And even Peninsula now wants to, you know, is, is getting into that aspect to carry a strategic level of inventory. I think you'll hear because Adam Prom say we need three quarters of a year to a year of inventory. Well, they may be at that level, which means they're not willing to sell material out of that inventory for short-term opportunities at this price. You know, they're selling further out into time, committing, you know, the next production, not, um, not their current inventory. Cool. And just to help people understand that the buying process. Okay. So you've got traders and they trade on the arbitrage where they buy and sell it, obviously. So do they basically forward purchase and what does that mean for them? Are they having to stump up cash or do they just option the purchase going forward. So are they tying up a significant part, part of the market? Quite a, quite a few of the traders have relationships with producers, you know, like BHP who, you know, Olympic Dam, their material has to go somewhere and they don't generally sell into long-term contracts or they're closer to a spot seller, but their spot selling is spot price selling to traders. They have relationships with traders who take the material from them so that they're always cash flowing. And then those traders have to place it into the market. So the traders have a flow of new material coming to them from certain producers all the time. And, and you know, those traders will use those that material in carry trade transactions, uh, spot market transactions, and other other nearer term transactions because they can't put money into it for the long term unless they know that they're getting a good rate of return on the out. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And if I look at your deal, you know, if I look at Denison actually, Denison they said it took them lots of different transactions to actually make up the pounds which they wanted to go out to market for. Then you look at Boss, that was just two deals to get what they wanted because they had connections and so forth. View, mm -hmm. so if a lot less pounds, was that one transaction or multiple? How easy? We did end up it? doing it with one transaction, okay. yes. Um, yeah, if we were looking for a greater volume, we, we most likely would have resorted to uh, multiple transactions. Right, okay, so and if I look at the marketplace, you know, we've got a weekly uranium show, we talk about this a lot, which is how the, the, the cycles of the, of the uranium buying, typically you look towards the end of the year, Q4, after the WNA, after the, you know, the, the um, I'm not quite sure where it is this year, my, my, is it 
Miami this year? Where are we looking? Well, uh, the, the, the NEI has not determined a location. Got it. Other right. than to say gen, generally Florida seems to be the target. Got it. Okay. So, but usually once everyone's, the, the utility buyers have kind of got together, had a little chat around in the corridors, there's usually a sort of flurry or a little bit more um, earnest to their buying Q4. Is it going to be that long or do you think the UPC sprout get together is going to change the market dynamic? I'm seeing some new entrants in, into the, the marketplace now. Some utilities that we haven't seen in a while are are coming into the market and looking at buying some material. Um, I think that, I mean, you're right. The WNA is typically in early September and that kicks off a buying season um, or an expectation that we have a buying season. For me, I see June, July, August as active uh, active months this year. Um, we haven't had a lot of activity in the market and, and um, the, the utilities have taken note of the Sprott entrance and and the the notion that Sprott is going to come in and and pull more material from the market that's already thin. So I think I think with the utilities taking notice, some of them are getting out front. I mean, there's there's definitely utilities that have been out on the front foot on this, and and I think more and more utilities are going to be coming in. So for me, uh, the wait is nearly over. I think the utilities are coming into the market now. And I think we're going to have a more active uh, U.S. summertime than we have ha seen in a long, long time. The buying season is going to start um, sooner and not wait for WNA and the fall conferences. I'm just, I'm just trying to think, you know, if I look, look at UPC, if, if I look at Yellow Cake, they've been around for a while. People understand what they do. Um but they haven't been very active um, or very aggressive in, in the marketplace. And do, you, do you think this move by Sprott changes the sort of dynamism in the marketplace? I mean, the marketing firepower, let alone the buying firepower and the, and the financial capability of, of structuring um, transactions to allow them to mop up, soak up spare inventory in the marketplace and get people interested. Do you, are you seeing yeah. I, I think that Sprott's made it very clear that that they're going to be a price support mechanism in the marketplace. Really, uh, they want the the fund to succeed under their management. Uh, you know, under previous management, um, UPC has has been and put you know at times the 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 fund implied price of uranium is significantly different than the actual price, and what that means is that their net assets are valued either higher or lower than their shares. And, and when their, their net assets, their, you know, the, the value of the uranium is higher, they generally have a, a green light to go out and raise some more money. But when it's lower, uh, when the fund implied price, if you will, is lower, uh, you know, that means they're going to sit quietly and, and they've sat quietly and tried to wait for that spread to correct where Sprott has indicated that they'll be actively managing to, to keep that, that spread very narrow. That means that Sprott will buy more frequently. They'll, they'll use their abilities to raise money and, and the interest that the uranium market has now um, to acquire a lot more uranium. You're talking about a 15 million equity raise. Given the use of proceeds, why is it not five? Why is it not 25? Why is it 15? 
Uh, 15 bought us the, the level of inventory that we needed to manage our contracts better. You know, it's, it's 300,000 pounds, um, 15 million Australian dollars bought us that, uh, you know, we are adding a share purchase plan. It, it, it was 13 million plus two for the share purchase plan. That's going to give our, uh, uh, retail, uh, investors, our supporters, the opportunity to pick up shares at, at the, the same price that we offered them to the institutions. Um, but all in all, uh, this was a modest purchase. This was a modest cash raise. It wasn't uh, an aggressive one. It had a purpose and that purpose was to, you know, to add an asset to our book, to add a working inventory into our, into our um, books. I, no, I get, I get that, but I'm just seeing, having seen what others have done, and the 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 market is open to this suggestion. You weren't tempted to do more. Yeah, and, and I I think last time we talked, I said let the let the physical funds do the 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 buying and holding of uranium. Um, you know, <laughs> that's what that's what yellow cake is for. That's what uh, UPC is for. And that's not our business model. Our business model is to be a uranium producer to to advance the lands project to production, and and um, you know I believe that having a working inventory which can be converted to cash as we transition the the lands project to production uh, is a very very valuable asset. You know, we'll be making that decision to do that in a rising market. And and we assume that we'll be able to to turn those those pounds back into the market at a higher price than we paid for them. Yeah, well, I hope so. Um, and talking of Lance Project, um, in the middle of some test work, are things proceeding as expected? Because you, you put out, I've seen I've seen a couple of releases which are just kind of I guess holding at releases. But you know, what's the timing on actually I'm studying more? Yeah. Um, yeah, actually, uh, we made some changes and we described those changes in our uh, to the test uh, configurations, the pattern configurations. We described those in our last press release. Uh, for us, uh, those those changes to the pattern configuration have taken effect and, and we're starting to see some some uh, positive developments in the test. Um, I think, you're, you know, again, I think you'll see the next um, press release on that consistent with, you know, the amount of time that it takes in this, in this test, a month or more uh, of time uh, is needed to see significant advancements or, or changes or the effect of these patterns changes. So I'll look for the next announcement, um, you know, with the end of the quarter, unless something, you know, unusually good or, or unusually bad happens in the test in the interim. Um, I think investors can understand that the test is running according to expectations if we don't have a release and and that we will have additional um, information on a regular basis. I want to talk about the U.S. You are a U.S. US located uh, project, obviously, Wyoming. Um, Mr. Biden has been splashing the cash. We're talking about a, I think, uh, is it, we're talking about a $6 trillion program at the weekend. Or at the end of last week, some of that's going to nuclear. About fourteen billion is that is that about right? Fourteen billion, somewhere in there. Yeah, it's it's uh so so what we've seen in the U.S. Uh, last Friday, right before the holiday weekend, um, President Biden introduced his budget proposal, um, and that's the first step of the budget process. The president uh, outlines his hopes and expectations for. 
the U.S. budget. And, and inside of that, he, he put a considerable amount of money into advanced nuclear and to uh, preserving existing nuclear. And we're very excited about that. There was between advanced nuclear and preserving existing nuclear, he was uh, proposing about 14 billion for the next uh, uh, fiscal year. That's a big, big investment that was lacking in previous budgets. Um, the process, Matt, um, is is that Congress then you know takes the president's budget proposals and reshapes them to Congress's liking. In the United States, the Congress makes the budget. The be- the president proposes and Congress disposes. Uh, so we have that. Uh, you know, uh, the the president's budget is important because it guides his expect you know what the, his expectations are on what he would approve. But thousands and thousands of changes will happen. And why do I say that? Because you know some of the the tuned in investors will notice that um, lacking from the president's budget was uh, continued funding of the U.S. Strategic Uranium Reserve. Um, that doesn't mean that it's dead. It means that you know Congress, where we had bipartisan support for that um, reserve last year, um, will have the opportunity to introduce it, to put it into the budget, and and to fund it at the level that they see appropriate. So while the president didn't have it in his spending, uh, that doesn't mean that it won't survive the budget process. The budget process is a lengthy one, with a lot of opinions being introduced along the way. Yeah, I, I think it's really interesting, and I'm trying. I'm trying to understand that. So, 14 billion sounds like a lot. It's probably not a lot because that could be, you know, you, you talk about the cost of actually either building new facilities or updating or you know um, extending the life of some some of these nuclear yeah. reactors. It, it's not a lot of money in reality, is it? it it's, but it's it's directed in the right place. Uh, for us, it's really important that the U.S. nuclear utilities uh, that have existing plants keep those plants alive and running, uh, keep them competitive. Uh, and the funding is really tax credits for nuclear uh, electricity generation. Uh, so our main customers are getting a lifeline. Uh, that really translates into a lifeline for us. It, it, it's opportunity for us in the future uh, to continue to have a large scale sub, uh, customer base in the United States couldn't be more important. And, and, and that funding will um, very positively reflect on the, on the fuels industry, the nuclear fuel industry along the way. So development of small modular reactors and advanced nuclear reactors, which are deployable uh, in remote locations, uh, is getting um, attention on the forefront of the budget. Survival and, and maintenance of the existing nuclear fleet is getting attention in the budget. And those are very good developments for the nuclear energy sector. Okay, so utilities will end up with tax credits to the tune of 14 billion predominantly. We'll have to see how where it ends up. Where, yeah, right. right. Okay, right. but the, as you say, the no uranium reserve number. It was originally one fifty bipartisan. Got it. We're down to seventy five, and it now doesn't make an appearance in the president's budget. But you're saying it hasn't gone away. It's just part of the negotiation of these things. So, well, who was exactly. pushing it really? Who was pushing thank, it really? Because thank you for. Thank you for recounting that. You you remember that last year the budget process was a long one. 
we we got the you know at that time President Trump's proposal was for 150 million, uh, and ultimately uh, the budget compromise ended up at 75 million. Uh, this year, the president's budget has zero, and and Congress is supportive of 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 maintaining that reserve. The Department of Energy has committed to standing up and utilizing the funds that they were given for this year, so the reserve will get stood up with that seventy five million. That seventy five million is yet to be deployed, and it it doesn't make sense uh, to to just start a program and kill it. Um, I think, you know, our uh, advocates in Congress and in the Senate will will fight uh, and, and there is bipartisan support. So the fight isn't so so hard to reintroduce that that um, funding into the, the budget. Uh, you know, just like last year, the process was long and 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 everybody, you know, hung on to every bit of news this year. The process starts out with a zero and, and we'll see where the compromise is. Well, I just thought it was interesting. And I needed to understand it because it started with a Republican president saying 150, bipartisan got it to 75, and then you got a Democratic uh, president going zero. So there's a sort of little journey there. But you're saying just part of the fun and fancy of the negotiations, sit back and let's see what happens. Yeah, and it doesn't matter uh, to you guys, does it? Anyway, it doesn't matter to you. In the in the in the famous words of Monty Python, it's not dead yet. It's <laughs> we got a lot of time, and and um, you know it's a process, it's a journey. It's not it's not uh, a conclusion at this point. It's just the you know the first budget proposal. But as I say, it it doesn't matter to you directly. You're getting on with the business of running your business. It's a nice to have. Is that how you're positioning it? It's a nice to have. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there were no guarantees. Um, we have always said that, you know, uh, we would be eligible to participate in the, in supplying uh, material to the strategic uranium reserve. And that would be an opportunity that we would like. Um, but, you know, you could tell already by, by the conversation we've had, my focus is on supplying utilities more so. And, and, you know, the, the U S government was, was an opportunity that, um, I expect will still be there, uh, but uh, if it's not, that's that's not the end of the world. So, big message you're leaving people with is: there's not a lot of free uranium, not free, available uranium to buy at the moment. It's really tight. Uh, that is correct. The market is tight. Um, we were in the market looking for material. We had offers for material that would you know deliver out in September and later. Uh, we ultimately found some material for a June delivery, uh, but it was on, you know, based on limited quantities and, um, you know, it, it was a, a quick turnaround type of deal. So, so the Iranian market is indeed tight on supply. Uh, I think producers are sitting on their target level of inventory or less and they're, and producers are disciplined. The producers are selling further into the future. Uh, only um, material, you know, projected coming from production is getting released into future transactions. But I don't think producers are a significant part of the prompt delivery spot market. Uh, traders have material. Um, they always will. And, and there'll always be some material allocated to prompt deliveries. But that amount right now is very, very thin. Uh, it was hard to find material this, this go around. Okay, Wayne, well, I appreciate your insight as always. Always intelligent commentary there. 
I am looking forward to seeing when these results come through, um, how you've been progressing um, there, and then the the so what component, what happens next, what's your timings and, and so forth. That's probably for another day. That's right. Well, I'm looking forward to joining uh, you again in, in the near future, maybe in a month or two down the road where uh, the markets develop. We'll see We'll see what Sprott's up to. We'll see what the U.S. government uh, actually comes back with. And and we'll see how the, the field demonstration is advancing. Uh, I think we'll have a lot to talk about again in the not too distant future. Brilliant. Thanks, Wayne. Appreciate it. Thanks, Matt. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.